got it. <laughs> wow. Hello, everybody. I, I was afraid because I noticed that uh, as I was trying to enter this Zoom space, that everybody was saying hello to everybody else until I turned my video on and it mm. suddenly became dead quiet. <laughs> did anybody else notice that? No. A bad sign. We're gonna start over at page one. Building love that lasts. Hello. <laughs> so that you are have somehow healed from school. Because this is definitely, if this is anything, it is definitely not a classroom. And I am definitely not the teacher. So we I'm still quite sensitive to noticing this kind of thing from our heal from school lab that we created together in Portugal. And it was, it was a violent experience. It was violent because we were faced with structures in people's inner structures that were well defended and justified. And the justification was they had served to to support an individual's survival, to be adaptive, to be invisible, to be nice, to fit in, to not collaborate with other students because that's called cheating, to, and et cetera, et cetera. All these behaviors that are deeply ingrained in us <clears throat> were could not be reasoned with. The reason I'm saying this is because we're each of us is still faced with those behaviors until we have done something to not be controlled by them anymore. And the kinds of things that we could do to to deal with those behaviors was was not pleasant because these things were so, they were survival, they were at the level of survival, these behaviors. And so when we turn the video on and, and everybody's, I see everybody happily greeting each other after not seeing each other for a, a long time, you know, really, really months and months maybe, or, or in any case, and it's just this happily, happy, bubbly, you know, alive environment. And then my little window shows up and the space goes, Okay, mm. I am not doing that. I do not expect that. I do not need that. This has nothing to do with the actual real Clinton Callahan. And I don't know how to bring that into, into action, into reality. I don't know how we can <clears throat> modify our relating uh, so, that, so that we're in a circle and there's no hierarchy and there's no teacher and there's no guru and there's no whatever patriarch none of those things because if if that's where you know if we're stuck there we can't do the rest of the book i mean most people that i've heard who started to read building love that lasts 
get through about half of it. And then, and then they get through the ordinary relationship part and that destroys their life to some degree. And, and the, the part of the book that we're about to enter starting on page 200 is, is so it's this for me is the exciting part. This is the alive part. This is the extraordinary part and archetypal parts of, of relating. And we're, there are some, there are some requirements. It's like, it's almost as if, God, there's so many metaphors. There's a, we have this <clears throat> incredible website called Eye of the Needle. It's called Eye of the Needle. And there's some quote from the Bible or something that says a rich man has less chance of getting into heaven than a camel has of getting through the eye of a needle, something like that. And so there's a, there's a mechanical uh, instructions in that advice, and it has to do with baggage. And, and another incredible website that I really encourage you to dive into is just called baggage, baggage.mystrikingly.com. And it, it, is, it is work. It is uh, an invitation for each of us to use self-observation <clears throat> and feedback from our teams, three cell and possibility team, our friends, and identify the baggage that we're carrying around with us. And it's so much. And yet, and the cost of, even though it's so familiar, even though it's so, we think it's an integral part of our lives, this baggage is so expensive to carry because that is what blocks us from going through the eye of the needle. And if you don't go through the eye of the needle, you end up stuck in flat land, in ordinary land. So the first experiment I'd like to offer you to do this week is to go to the baggage website and, and it's, it's immense, it's daunting. It's formidable. This, this website is, could crash your world. And that's the, it seems so simple. And yet each element of baggage that a person, myself or anyone carries has, has a multidimensional effect of burdening us with using up our energy, occupying our space, both our space of perception and our ability to receive, our ability to give, it's all kind of stuffed up with everything that we're carrying as baggage. And then it misrepresents us in the world. It's as if we're wearing a, an, a suit of armor with shield and a sword and, and jewelry and makeup and a costume and, and uh, some spare tires and spare parts and, and anything else we think we might need and we're going to try to have sex. And this is what we're, this is how it gets in the way. Baggage is that physically in the way of our ability to be vulnerable, intimate, alive, and on this path of evolution together, to be radically relating with each other. And so the experiment is go through this list, hopefully with a team, hopefully with somebody in your world, and and it's, it's a similar to an experiment we recommended before, which is to walk through your house and pick up every object 
in your house. So you just walk through your house and you pick up every object. Okay. So, and then ask yourself, is this giving me energy or taking energy away from me? You get that? So every object in your house is like, okay, is this giving me energy or taking energy away from me? And then the, the, the obviousness, you know, the, the whole thing about it, just giving me energy or taking away from energy. And, and the whole, the point of that is to, okay, how much am I paying to carry this? That's, that was with physical objects. So this experiment is to look at every single of the baggages that you're carrying and say, okay, is this worth it? Am I, am I, is this giving me energy or is it costing me energy to carry this behavior pattern, this belief, this uh, habit, this opinion, this judgment, this expectation, you know, this conclusion, this worldview. My, so each one of these things, is it giving me energy or taking energy away from me? And, and if you decide that something is taking more energy away from you than it's giving you, be gentle with yourself when, if you decide to do the surgery of, of letting go of it, of letting go of this thing. Now, it's not as easy as letting go of an object. You know, I could just throw this in a trash can in the recycle bin, give it to somebody and it's gone. But these other habits, these other, these other baggages are stickier. They have this stickiness about them. And it may require an emotional healing process to go through this. So don't hesitate while you're doing this experiment. Don't hesitate to feel your emotional reaction to holding on to this kind of baggage that you've been carrying and, and feel the emotion and go, okay, this is an emotional healing process and dive into the emotional healing process. You cannot get rid of those things by just thinking about it. You need to change the quality of the stickiness. You know, if you have Velcro, Velcro has this furry side and has this hook side. And if you put the fur with the hook together, it sticks. And so the only way for that thing to not stick is to change the shape of the hooks or change the shape of the fur. And so what we're talking about when we're saying the process, the, the emotional healing process for getting rid of for is will actually change your shape so the baggage cannot hook onto you anymore. So this, this is a, and the change of shape will involve a liquid state. So as we are going through the book, we will encounter a number of experiments. And um, I just wanted to mention, if you can see Phyllis here, Phyllis Goldman. Phyllis is the one who's been actually going through all of the, all of the previous sessions of the study group and extracting the experiments out of there and give, uh, getting them put online for us. And Marcus Bork, I don't know if you're in here, but he has been helping. But Phyllis, I just want to send some juice in Phyllis's direction because she's really been doing it. It's been amazing to get all these experiments captured because we didn't do it before. And so for at least for a while, Phyllis has asked if she can continue capturing experiments. But whenever, Phyllis, whenever you want to replace yourself with that, just let us know and somebody else can hop in and or, or do it with you if you want, any way you want to work it out. But anyway. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, there's big gratitude for doing that for everybody. Thank you very much. I, I'm getting a lot out of it too, so. 
I'm, <laughs> now I want to keep doing it. <laughs> okay. Well, great. Well, thank you. So, so to wrap up that experiment, when as you're discovering a, some kind of the baggage that you'd actually decided you're done with or would like to let go of, then you go through the emotional healing process and may have some layers in it till you change the shape of your being essentially and it won't be able to stick on you anymore. It just won't be able to stick on you. I was having a conversation today with Divyam Shu in his office today here in Germany, Southern Germany, and uh, he's a homeopath and we were, I was having like a homeopathic investigation with him. And he, we were talking about gremlin behaviors and there are, there's these, the gremlin is this part of ourselves that defends our status quo. It's a part of ourselves that fights to maintain our, our childhood survival strategy. And no matter how much it costs us, and so the question was, was how is it that, how is it that the unconscious gremlin actions are, are not, no longer entertaining for me? And I really had to think about it and the, the metaphor I came up with, well, I said, well, it's like, if it, it would be like peeing in my pants, like doing unconscious gremlin behavior you know, I used to pee in my pants. I mean, we all did. But it, at some point, it became really uncomfortable and just a nuisance and just embarrassing and just whatever, painful, disgusting. It stinks and it's a mess and whatever. And so this is, this is, but something changed in me where that became just distasteful to pee in my pants more. And to me, it's, it was a lot like what happens when we get to the point of one of our gremlin behaviors is just becoming, it's not good or bad or right or wrong or anything like that. It's about how, how do I relate to it? From, and so that's, that's how, if I change, then behaviors can change. But if I don't change, no amount of mental forcing or commitment or some kind of you know, manipulation, self-manipulation, I should, or beating myself up, like no amount of this stuff is going to, is going to change my shape. It just, because it's, it's actually part of, it's the continuation. It's like you strengthen that which you oppose. So by attacking the thing that we're trying to get rid of, you're actually making it stronger. I think the reason we're entering this part of the conversation is because for the rest of the um, Building Love That Last book, we're, we're going to be exploring the extraordinary and then archetypal nature and possibility of relating. And it the, the baggage will get in the way. And so it, I, I wanted to just put right on the table at the beginning that this whole interaction, this teamwork that we're building up here is essentially a team of helper, you know, people supporting each other and helping each other engage in a, a hard, cold, direct like one-on-one -on -one look at reality, you know, a really examination of reality in detail to the point where the, the mechanisms are visible and the possibilities are visible and the cost then becomes visible. And then the work of actually shifting the, 
anything that we want to shift will can commence. And it's this team. I'm proposing that we we engage this study group as a team so that we we really can be straightforward, vulnerable, help each other. What's going? You know, what's working? What's not working? We'll have a a Telegram group for the for this group, so we can make suggestions. No, Anne Chloe shaking her head. No, this is Anne Chloe. She knows more than I do about almost everything. Can you explain how that might go? Yeah, yeah. We were talking about it with Eva, who's also one of the reason that the study group has started again. Wait, wait, wait. We should make that rather more evident. Eva Dalbert is here with a smile on her face right now. Could she? Is that okay? Can you just go ahead and? explain to everybody what, what it took, what happened for you that you would take a stand that this group would start again. I was just really sad and angry when it stopped and it stopped before we went into the archetypal domains. And I was really pissed off with that. When I met up with you in the lab, I, I don't know. I just asked what it would take to get together again and and that was 35 people on a list. And so the list filled up. I think I had 35 after one day. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. Well, one person can change the world. <laughs> There's right. no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying yes, Clinton. Well, it was not something I could say yes to before somebody demanded it because really the, the first group was a washing machine. It was this huge tumbling machine where people went through all kinds of stuff just to face into all the extraordinary di dimensions and dynamics that we have going on as uh, not quite fully initiated adult human beings, you know, on this path. And so <clears throat> it, was a, it was a rough ride in the beginning. And so it seemed like we went as far as we could go and then then it was okay let's see what happens so uh, but it wasn't something i could i personally could just so okay now we're doing the next chapters it had really it took it took you and everybody here to call this circle together so thank you for doing that i hope you got enough of these you should get a lot of these too everybody should get a lot of these i just <laughs> feel so much joy with all you being here that's that's feeding me so much. <laughs> me too. And Chloe, I'm sorry, we interrupted you. The logistics, yeah. Um, you know, the idea is, the proposal was to use the possibility creation village and to not disperse the, the learning field and the sharing field and to just use that group for the sharings. And then the link will be posted in the event, the event group every day right. before it starts, yeah. Thank you. Uh, can I add something about, um, you were talking about baggage and this, that something that we made a discovery pretty recently, which is shocking that it's pretty recently, but that the spaces of possibility management, and, and I would say, especially this space of a study group, studying extraordinary relating and archetypal relating is, it starts in archiarchy. Like the research of even extraordinary relating starts past the edge of modern culture and in next culture, which is really archiarchy. And then archiarchy 
just emerges out of a different context. So this space is not like we have a foot in modern culture and then we're trying to move to archiarchy is we already start in archiarchy. And so the context and the, the protocols or the experiments or the way we even will relate in, in this space is a, is a different way. It's a different universe than ordinary relating that you might experience in your life. And so what often happens is there's different kind of, everybody has different kind of survival strategies, but there's some survival strategies, for example, which is to beat yourself up from not being good enough in archiarchy already, as if you're supposed to already have it down about how to relate extraordinary and archetypally when we're actually studying together about how to create that. And so if you beat yourself up, one of the ways that you might, you know, uh, go through the experiment is to manipulate yourself to do one experiments that you don't want to do, or even manipulate yourself to do experiments that you already want to do, but you're manipulating yourself to do it because you're not good enough yet. And that is contrary to the path of evolution. Like that will just feed boxes and gremlin instead of actually really ecstatically and joyously being on the path. Clinton? And Chloe, would you formulate that as an experiment? Because it's such a valuable experiment to, to identify when and how, how could you identify when you might be manipulating yourself and to um, manipulate yourself to stop manipulating yourself? <laughs> okay. Well, I think it really takes first a noticing of this, this, I think this pressure that, for example, I've built in school that if I didn't have pressure, that means I wasn't really doing something. The pressure was the only way I could be moving forward or expanding or learning. And to discover that actually doing that ecstatically is also a possibility. And so the experiment, I guess, would be to really notice the, your parent ego state. I think a lot of these behaviors come from the parent ego state. You should, you must, you have to, you're not good enough. And I'm sure it triggers the child ego state. But into, um, I mean, go, I don't know, go for, I mean, there would be an emotional healing process. I'm, I'm not having an experiment exactly that would come up. Well, I, I, I just want to, so the thing about manipulating is to notice the part of you that's resisting. There's a part of you that's trying to force and a part of you that's trying to resist. And there's no trust between those two parts. They're not communicating with each other. And so this experiment is to have those two parts of yourself communicate with each other. And a beat book is really helpful for that. You know, open up your beat book and you just start writing down. Here's the one that wants to do it. Here's the one. That doesn't want to do it. Here's the one that says I have to. And there's the one that says I can't. There's the one that says I should. And there's the one that says I shouldn't. And these two these two parts have are having this conversation in you, and it's a kind of insanity. And it's this kind of mm, mm, schizophrenia, you no. Know? And it and so it's it's not bad or wrong to be schizophrenic. In my opinion, we are all schizophrenic in multiple dimensions. It's just simply not not uh, making use of the intelligence of the various opinions inside of us. Because 
And so that would be the exercise. That would be the experiment is have when, when you're about to do, do something or not do something as in your life, and you can hear this thing going, well, you should get out of bed now. And the other part goes, oh, but I, I just want to, you know, I don't want to do what I have. To, I don't want to go to work today. And so then you have these a little bit, you know, you write down this conversation and there's intelligence in both sides and both sides are, are you. And then it's, then you can say, thank you very much to those parts. Say, I will handle this. And then you handle it. And it's a, it's a lot like how to do with fear or anger, for example, or sadness, for example. Feeling comes up, 7%, 13%, 44%, fear. You say, hello, fear. What do you have for me? Hello, anger. What do you have for me? And it will tell you what it has for you. Watch out for this. Don't forget that. You know, that's too expensive. This isn't, there's a trap. This is an opportunity you can't miss. Whatever that, whatever that feeling is giving you, you write it down. You say, anything else? Have anything else for me? And then it will give you the next layer, maybe one more layer. And you say, thank you. And then you handle it. You don't let the fear handle it. Then in this experiment, you're not letting the, the manipulation handle it. You know, whatever is the strongest reason or the strongest manipulation, if that if that that wins inside of you, it's you don't get to have a life. You don't get to be present. You're just a victim of these opinions and these forces. So that experiment about the manipulation is to is to is to extract the intelligence of the of the parts of you that are trying to manipulate each other so that you have their that they are heard so because once they are heard they can be complete and gone you're going to say something Corey? i was just going to add and it's possible that one of the parts has to do it with an it's like it could be also they could lead to an emotional healing process of mm -hmm. Uh, I have to do this. It's like, where is this coming from that I have to do it like this? Or I can't do it like this. And then uh, that might be worth checking into an emotional healing process. Okay. Yeah. But it's to, to, the invitation is, I think, I think it's crucial. I think it's primordial. I think it has, we have to start there. It's like to, the path starts, if you do the path by manipulating yourself, then you're not on the path. And so that it really is crucial. And I, and I think also one of the effect of this is a, a form of fooling oneself, to fool yourself about where you are on the path. If you've manipulated yourself to move along the path, actually your being has not really changed shape. And then you, you think you've been years on the path of calls with people, you know, I've been spent 15 years on the path and you're giving me the same feedback I was having 15 years ago. And I'm saying, I'm, yes, I'm sorry, but it, it, it is so. And, and because of the manipulation. Yeah. I'd like to have a little meta conversation about what's happening here, which is in the first part of reading the book. You can hear me still? Yeah. Okay. In the first part of reading the book, we were dealing with all these unconscious habit patterns, survival strategies, et cetera, et cetera. So 
that was working fine for an asshole such as myself, I mean, a nice guy like myself, to take us on this underworld journey through and just look at the shit. I mean, it's like dig up this shit here, dig up shit there, dig, and you've got this piles of shit everywhere and just dig, keep digging them up. And that was essentially what we did for, for 14 months or something. I don't know, seven, how, it's like 14 months. It was like 70 meetings. Yeah. So, so okay, all right. Then we, we're, we're entering this extraordinary and archetypal domain of relating. It would be complete bullshit for me to show up here as a single guy born and raised in a patriarchal capitalistic empire. So, so and Colleen, I've been talking about this and she agreed to co-hold this space with me so that you could see it's true. So you could see that actually the stuff works. So, so that it, it, it gains credibility by having both of us here, you know, navigating through all these chambers and spaces that we're going to go through. And so we, we shook hands on it. <laughs> and so, so really, I'm really glad that and Chloe agreed to do this with me so that we're both here together and all questions are allowed. So, you know, if I say something, you just put up your hand and go, no, come on, and Chloe, what, tell us the truth, what's really going on about this, and vice versa, right? Go with you now. So, so and then we can really, we've got to, you get out, we have, I don't know, it's a scary domain, but it's like this archetypal feminine and archetypal masculine, or at least, you know, with some, some headway into adulthood, some level of adulthood. We've got that collaboratively on the table with the both of us here. And if, and if she wasn't here for the rest of this study group, it wouldn't have validity. It would be just blah, blah. So I'm really, and I don't even feel scared about it. I feel really glad and joyous, actually. It's, for me, it's this celebration. And so I am sure we are going to go into the you know darkest places that human beings can go into in terms of relating. And I say that with certainty because that's what has been happening in the last trainings that we've been delivering together, starting in Mexico, Portugal, Denmark, Poland, and back to Portugal so far this summer, was we were, I, I don't know, I've got eight new websites online, and then most of them are underworld. Most of them have to do with things like uh, drama-holic Dramaholism, you know, the addiction to drama as, as um, a replacement for life, you know, and, and really an addiction to this, to the, uh, the, the effect, the consequences of, of drama, low drama, you know, or gremlin violence or gremlin self cannibalism. You know, the, this is where we've been going in the, during the summer is discovering qualities and aspects of our, our shadow parts that severely interfere with presence and connection. And so to discover them is, is kind of to clarify 
those things to the point of making distinctions and experiments and proposals about those these qualities is a, it is a celebration for me because the, it gives us a chance to choose something else. But if those things are functioning outside of our awareness, what chance do we have to choose something else? So we have names for them, we have descriptions of them, we have processes, procedures, we have experiments, we're working on all this stuff together. So I, I just wanna say that we're, I've, I feel really confident about us tackling these things together uh, without, it's, this is not one of these, you know, handsome tribal uh, holy man talks. Okay, it's not what it's not what we're going to get here. It's not going to be glossy, superficial. You're not going to feel necessarily good while we're having these study groups. It isn't about feeling good. It's not what we're doing here together. We're, but we are feeling. So there will be a lot of feeling stuff going on, and all questions are allowed. So we did this great exercise in a, one of the trainings in Poland where we said. Okay, here's the practice. Anytime somebody says any questions, everybody puts their hand up. And it, and it opens up this amazing space because we don't know, you don't know what the question is that you have. Like if, if and Chloe says, okay, Joseph, what's your question? He's gonna go, I just put my hand up. I, I, don't, I don't have, a, and, but if he skips that part and then he asks the question, it comes out of a place that's not, um, practiced it isn't um like for it isn't predicted so it comes out of this authentic place and so i would like to adopt that here you know if you have you know if you have a contribution or a question to make at any time just put your hand up and we have a couple screens so if you don't um you know we can't see everybody all the time but mm, say something you know if you have a question want to say something just announce it and, but if Aunt Chloe or I say any questions, just everybody can put their hand up and we'll see what happens. I'd like to try that for a while. The other thing I'd like to ask as we're setting ourselves up here is I happily notice a number of you were often participating in the part one of the study group. And then I also see people who are new to this space. But what I'm most fascinated by is right now, the people, any of you who were involved, like, so for example, I'm gonna ask a question, but I want you to put your hands up first. But I, my question is going to be, what, why are you back here in part two of the study group? And what happened to you from the part one of the study group? I mean, I think it's astonishing that so many people from part one are here in part two. This really is astonishing. And I can't, I'm not making anything out of it. I'm just noticing it. And so I'm asking the question, how many people, and keep your hand up for a while, how many people were in part one of the study group? Just put your hand up. Okay. All right. So it's looking to me, I don't know if somebody can see better, but it's looking to me like about a little less than half, mm -hmm. something like that. Okay. And okay, if somebody who had your hand up, 
is anybody willing to answer that question is like what what happened to you from part one of the study group like what happened to you in the meantime what happened during the study group and and what made you want to continue the journey together with us anybody like to speak about that for a minute I learned to love underworld and not to judge it. And my life is more real and I want more of that. Are you, can you give an example? I didn't know that just in this moment, I didn't know what I would say. So I'm more at a place to dare just to speak up, even if I don't know what I will say or what, which words are coming out. And that feeds much more life. Thank you. Thank you. I'm still very much <clears throat> noticing myself preparing what I want to say out of fear to say something wrong, this school thing. And I know I've learned so much in this space. For example, I've learned to ask for emotional healing processes. I remember that, you know, started becoming a thing, like somebody would share something and then ask for an emotional healing process. And it was this whole training of just asking for it and then in the group and and so much has uh, sprung and grown from that. These spaces have been so alive and so rich and so connecting. And there was so many opportunity for experiments and for getting to know each other. And just being in the space, there's this aliveness that I relish very much. So I also remember when it stopped feeling sad and angry and and not it didn't occur to me to ask for the space to happen again, interestingly enough. But when I knew it was going to happen, there was no doubt that I wanted to be here again. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you. Hello, Joaquin. <laughs> Hello, Clinton. <laughs> And everyone. <laughs> I experienced in this space, uh, it, it was like coming, facing again into reality every week, every Monday, and having this rock, hitting rock bottom on Monday. That was really great. And in a way, like a lot of love just, even now I feel it again, it, it brings back those memories of every space was filled with a lot of love and community and connection and really something extraordinary happened just in being in this space and yeah, kind of flying together. Thank you, Kian. Thank you.
Maybe one more, somebody else. Yeah, for me, this space is, uh, yeah, like a North Star that helped me to not only see my ex on the map for me personally, but to to know where the journey can lead to. Like what Aunt Chloe said uh, of being already in the space of archetypal love. And when you were speaking about this fluffy yellow stuff or whatever, things were tangible. It was not just reading it. Like, yeah, while reading already is, is doing a lot to me, the space and experiencing it helped me to, to see where this can go. And also what Ingrid said, similar to that, to, to acknowledge, okay, there is a, an underworld and there's my underworld. And this underworld keeps me from being in relationship. To see it as a fact, to just see it as a fact and mm -hmm. to, to, to start from there and to not fool myself about why it doesn't work. <clears throat> And yeah, and I definitely, um, now I feel joy because um, I, I, can, I could use the time in between to, to, to integrate stuff and to, to become more conscious and to decontaminate and to meet so many people to have three cells with and to do all this work. And I needed that time also to, to do that. And to be here again. Thank you for for you all. <laughs> Thank you, Habit. Nice to see you. <laughs> all right. Um, would everybody take a deep breath and to enter this study group space? I ask you to find your energetic center and use your intention to move it so that it's on your physical center. So wherever your energetic center is, the past, the future, other people, whatever's going on in your life, and use your intention and move that thing right onto your physical center, which is located like three fingers below your navel. It's like in back halfway in your body. Just put it there. Use your intention to hold it there. And then use your clicker to click and make a grounding core between your center and the middle of the earth. So go ahead and do that. You didn't do that already. And you don't have to turn your microphone on, but at the count of three, please tell us the color of your grounding cord. One, two, three. Hello. Orange, green, yellow. Thank you. Make one more click of your clicker so that you have your own personal bubble of space inside Inside of that bubble is your personal space. And uh, outside that bubble is everybody else's space. So inside are your feelings and emotions and outside are other people's feelings and emotions. Inside is your agenda, outside is other people's agenda. Inside is your intention, purpose, outside is other people's agenda and purpose. And you, so that distinction is so central to being adult, being present, being connected, and, and relating out of that. And if you want, you can click your clinker one more time, like Anne Chloe and I do, and 
we make this golden cube of workspace that includes all of us in a different places around the world. And so that we can be in this space together, safe, safely and really connected together here in this space. And if you take another deep breath, thank you. And Chloe, I'm proposing that we take turns reading from the book. And so I'll, I'll start, I have it open here somewhere. And I'll start reading uh, from page 200. So if anybody else is following along in the book, you'll find it. You'll find Which this. chapter is it? I have it here in German. Section 6X, X meaning 10. Thank you. Section 610, page 200. Of the old, it's the old version of the Raging Jordan Love. I don't even know if in the. I think it's the same page numbers. Okay. It worked last time. Okay. And again, you know, our purpose, if you weren't here before, it's really clear that our purpose is not to finish the book as fast as possible. I mean, this, this book was published, what, in? 2007 or something. So this is 15 years ago, in maybe even 2004. I mean, it's, it's been, we have learned a lot since this book was written. And at the same time, the place from which this book was written, the space from which this book was written is essentially archetypal. It's extraordinary and archetypal. And so the clarity that comes, that's in the book, if you're a human being, if you have an ego, basically, if you have, if you're an organism with an ego, this book applies. So I don't care what alien planet you're from. If, if you have a self-identity, this book applies to you. If you're trying to relate to another ego, it applies to you. So I don't, I've not heard of any alien translations of the book yet. They haven't hijacked the thought where for another planet yet. But if you hear of that, please let us know. We'd like to get 10%. <laughs> there will be jokes in this talk, so that's one of them. Although the, I know what I do with the 10%. Is there anybody who wanted to say anything or ask anything as we're warming up here before we start reading from the book? Anybody? I want to ask you and Chloe if with this manipulation when you've done EHPs and and getting, gotten rid of layers of manipulation, does it feel ex more and more ecstatically joyful for you to be on the path of evolution and you're doing it not or less from pressure? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I mean, really today I had this appointment with Divyam Shu and he was asking me a question and my, I kept answering, I, I, I do what I want. He says, do you, have to, do you need an alarm to wake up? I'm like, why would I need an alarm when I'm, I'm doing what I want? So if I want to sleep, I sleep. If I don't want to sleep, I stop sleeping. And the concept of alarm is just doesn't apply to doing what I want. That would be a manipulation, for example, mm -hmm. to put on an, an alarm. And so it's, 
I and I I often tell this story. I told it again today, so it's fresh in me. But I, I realized that the first 23 years of my life, I didn't do what I wanted at all, like ever, no, no, nothing. It was all this. I have to please my dad. I have to please my mom. I have to be a good student. I have to be a good swimmer. I have to be a good daughter. I have to, and this is this whole have to. And then when I was 23 years old, I, for some reason or another, I quit my job and, and went for four months into this liquid state of, I could not say hello to people because I didn't know what my life was based on. I was in the world and I just could not, I did not know how to relate to the world, to myself and to others, to the point that I, people would come in and there would be no place in me where an authentic hello could come from. And I could not, therefore I could not speak. And so, if we, and then I went on a world tour and my world tour, my, my biggest experiment is I'm standing here is what do I want? I have no, you know, my, I, I'm not living with my father or with my mother. I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have a job. I don't even have friends. Like I'm alone in the middle of this crossroad. What do I want? And I, and it, and I, and I stumbled. I mean, I got a lot of beeps about doing things that I actually, I, I started walking this way. I'm like, okay, okay, that's not actually what I wanted. Okay, beep, start again. What do I want now? And I, and I kept, and so, and I, and I kept doing that. And it's, I finally started feeling something of that is real. That is me. That is, that is what I want. And yes, it can change in the next minute, but changing my mind was very different from, being adaptive mm. and somehow I could make this distinction of the the changing my mind was different from being adaptive and so but it took me really two years and yes I, and I'm still working on it I mean each each emotional healing process each piece of my underworld that I discover is is I was doing things that wasn't really my being mm. but I, I have I build a big chunk of myself of I want to do this. And then when I discovered the path of evolution is I want to be on the path of evolution. And so I'm doing practices, not because nobody told me to do these practices because I want to do them. And I would really um, encourage you to, to keep dropping the practices that you're doing for somebody else, even for rage club, like even for a gremlin transformation. Cause even if you're doing, you know, it's like, you, then you're fighting against your gremlin. And so you're going back to, why does my gremlin doesn't want me to do this practice? Whatever, you're going back to the part that is fighting, like Clinton was saying, this, this conversation between, you know, I should, I should, this is the, you know, I'm a good student as part of the gremlin transformation or rage club or fear club or whatever space you're in. And, uh, and the gremlin that's saying no or whatever. And, and so that that would be an experiment for example to keep dropping the practices that you you don't want to do and to figure out how come and i don't know it has maybe to do with you know majority majority parts of you like for me when i say what i want to do is more than 51 percent. that's what i mean that's what i want more than 51 percent well for sure my box can complain or my gremlin can complain but i have 51 percent of or more of my being that is just there there will be no discussion (laughs) 
I mean, there is no discussion. It happens. And yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I I want to say, I want to say that I discovered that I when I'm speaking, I have this way of I'm 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 saying whatever. I'm saying whatever a lot because I listened to one of my talks and it was horrible to listen to one of my talks and realize how much I'm saying whatever. So I would appreciate if if you're hearing me saying it, can somebody would somebody just put their hand up? Somebody Manuela, would you do that? Yes? Great, thank you. And it just it will help me catch myself. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I want I want to just have you keep talking. <laughs> me and me making notes. That was already one spark you just said. So thank you very much. <clears throat> now you know where all the sparks come from, Miss Anne Chloe. I just write <laughs> them down. <laughs> My job is to write it down. So are there anything else, anybody else want to say or ask anything before we start reading from the book? I want to share one thing about this self-manipulation thing, because it's really big, a big part of my research at the moment to find out that the part of me that is manipulating me has a, has a really good reason for it. Like he really, for me, in my case, it's this, I want to be wanted or want to be loved. And when I feel that, and sometimes it even helps to just be in a space where I find myself manipulating, being, manipulating myself to be a certain way others want me to be, to just catch this part and see what, what do you actually want right now and feel that I want to be loved so I can kind of shift out of it and be in relate i kind of be in relationship again with what's really going on uh, in the space or with other people and not have my self manipulation so much in the foreground thank you thank you who do you become ken when it doesn't matter to you at a survival level <clears throat> if you are wanted or not Who do you become? Yes, I got the question. I wasn't necessarily saying it for you. Thank you. Okay. I'm saying it for the space. Who do you become when it's not a survival level issue about needing to be wanted or needing to be loved? When that, who do you become? I don't know if you, I don't need an answer. It's really an experiment to try living a day or an hour or a minute, as long as you can, consciously not giving credence to this belief that you need to be wanted. And it's a survival level orientation. <clears throat> and how, how do you breathe? How do you put your attention? How do you speak to people? How do you look in their eyes or not? How do you move? Like, who do you become 
when it's not about needing to be wanted or needing to be acknowledged, needing to be seen, needing to be loved. When it's not about that, what do you become? And I don't think, I don't think it's a dangerous experiment to do. I don't think you become a psychopathic, you know, mass killer, mass murderer or whatever. I think, or you don't just go out and eat, you know, 42 donuts or you know, things like that, start slashing car tires or something. I don't think that's who you become. So, but I would encourage actually a lot of us to do that experiment. <clears throat> so there's, there's so many things we've learned since we last started investigating or researching. I mean, this, this whole journey we're on is this, we call it a study group, but it's really a research group. And we've learned so much about what, how much our gremlin is controlling our world. And even to the point where you can participate in and expand the box training or labs up to, up to many labs and, and to have all these initiatory processes and all these experiences eaten by your gremlin. If your gremlin is not transformed, if your gremlin is not initiated in an appropriate way, then the gremlin itself can eat your transformational work and nothing actually changes in your world. Did anybody notice that? Does anybody notice that? Okay. So it turns out to be crucial, it turns out to be fundamental to go engage gremlin transformation. We've been calling it gremlin transformation. We've got a small team of people who have been through the meat grinder, I mean, over and over again with their own gremlin. And they've been doing this stuff for years and they're now holding space for gremlin transformation work. And the reason gremlin transformation work is so important is because, and there's a website called gremlin transformation, thank you. There's because if, if you don't do gremlin transformation, it will not work to decontaminate your adult ego state from child ego state, parent ego state, gremlin ego state, or even demon ego state. It will not work to decontaminate your adult ego state. And, and, the, and the contamination part is, is a survival strategy and it works and you make it to 18 years old and it works so well and there are no initiatory processes that destroy your survival strategy. And so then it's running free in, and it's completely blocking you from the doorways to adulthood. And so really at the outset, I wanted to say, we've got a few people, a, a couple of you can get in touch with them. And I really encourage you to like say, just do this to me. You know, it takes a year, it takes two years. I want you to help me transform my gremlin. And then after that, I want to decontaminate my adult ego state. And this work is so central to being a human being on planet Earth. I mean, for me, this is what it looks like. It looks like Gaia, which is this intelligent beingness of planet Earth, has been doing biological experiments for, you know, whatever, 4.5 billion years. It's set up circumstances so that life could occur in organic form on the planet and evolve to the point where you have an organism that has 
the capacity to self-reflect. And mm -hmm. so you're looking at a bunch of them right now on this Zoom screen. Like here, here are some. And so the, but the thing is that the survival strategy that protects, you know, and builds up your box, your ego, your gremlin, your whole survival strategy, your languaging, your ability to relate, your ability to survive on the planet, builds up skills, like all of that takes 18 years and then requires the same thing that a baby chick requires to get out of this eggshell. It requires a world change, a crack in the eggshell. It requires ripping open the chrysalis and, and stepping into an entirely different in relationship to the world, entirely different thing. Those are called adulthood initiations. And modern culture killed those 6,000 years ago so that they're forbidden. And so we have no even no conversation about authentic adulthood initiatory processes in modern cultures, zero. And so it's just, it's a central thing to realize we are missing the element that would allow us to become humans on planet earth. We've been missing this catalytic transformational violent in terms of transformation is the death and resurrection show. It's the thing that was functioning before cannot continue to function, it dies. And, and something else can be, it's the Phoenix process, something else could emerge. And without that formidable initiatory process as a force, as like, as the underlying spaces in which we can leave behind adolescence and step in gradually more and more into adulthood levels of responsibility and extraordinary and archetypal levels of responsibility without the initiations where it's just a joke. It's really a joke. It's a new age joke. And it's a bad joke. It's a sad joke. It's a frustrating joke. And, and so I just, I just want to encourage any of us here who can to engage both the gremlin transformation and the adult and the decontamination of the adult ego state. Martina, are you, are you involved in that? Who, who are you are offering any kind of uh, offering gremlin transformation or the decontamination of the adult? See, Eva, Ingrid, Ingrid, what part are you doing? What party? Sorry, what party are you delivering? The decontamination of adults and also uh, helping with the 50 gremlin food. Great, thank you. Okay, so will you put your hands up again? It was Ava, Martina, Ingrid. Martina, not Martina? Okay, and who else? And, and Christina Dershner here. And Eva. And Eva Daubert. Eva Daubert, great. So they've been identified. So really please grab them and say, what, what the heck is Callahan talking about? You know, what is this about? How does it work? What, mm, and if you, if, you, if you really hate this stuff that I just talked about, if you really just despise it, you know, if you really go, this is just like such shit, you know, if you, that's a definite indicator, you should check it out. <laughs> oh man, <clears throat> and we did not, we didn't, I couldn't say that in the other study group. We didn't have the basis in reality, the clarity basis in reality to stand there and say that in public, that this is what it takes. So I'm, I'm really 
we've been also, I've been going through the meat grinder also. It's <clears throat> like being startled at how much we did not know that we did not know about. Mm. So, so uh, yeah. Yeah, I want to add that it seems like in the first study group, we also, there was this whole explosion of the world of Rage Club, introduction to Rage Club and Rage Club, and then followed pretty soon after by Fear Club. And for me, it's really clear that if, if you don't have access to your feelings, if you can't you know, navigate mad, sad, glad, and scared, you, won't be, you will not be able to navigate the subtlety of how your gremlin has contaminated your life or is, is owning your life. And so I really want to keep encouraging, uh, if you haven't done Rage Club, or even if it's been a while, to just do it again. Just do it again, or even better, to, de to deliver it. If you really love this work and, but to really, yeah. So, I mean, there's a number of Rage Club spaceholder training here, like a lot more than Gremlin Transformers. So can you put your hand up if you're delivering Rage Club or your Rage Club spaceholder? Yay. Yay. Okay. Yay. So excited. And this has all happened in the last year. It's really all happened in the last year and a half or so. So I'm just going to throw out there because it's happening that I'm, I'll deliver uh, a, a Rage Club spaceholder training starting uh, end of October. And, and until? Until beginning of December. It's six weeks. Six weeks. And so if you need to participate in Rage Club before joining the Rage Club spaceholder training, so get yourself in a Rage Club. There's a number of them starting soon. And if you're hesitating about delivering one, you'll get a bunch of people because they want to join the Rage Club space all the training. So put out your flyers out there. Yeah. <laughs> I bet, did you have your hand up before? Yeah, can you go ahead? And no, I was just uh, having, I, I was having my hands up to say that I'm a Rage Club space holder. Okay, all right, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Admitted that. All right, great. Thank you. I wanted to add something about uh, the decontamination process, about something I realized. Uh, it doesn't work. It didn't work for me to make the decontamination with my gremlin until I exper experientially realized that it was my gremlin who wanted to do the decontamination of the gremlin. So for me, it was like a big step to really fully experience it because I knew I had to go that step if I want to con continue the transformation of past, but it came from my gremlin, I was like, and my parent ego, sta ego state about I have to do it. So uh, my intention to say that is like, if it come, if you're coming from this state, maybe it's not the moment, for me, it was not the moment then to do it. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you. For anyone who has not been around possibility management much and you're listening to all this jargon and new terminology, I, I apologize and I at the same time invite you to just relax because the, the terminology itself, each one is a distinction which allows us to speak about and explore and experience things that we could not explore and experience without the distinction and so we need the names of the things in order to talk about them and explore them together. And so if you've never heard these things before and it feels overwhelming, this is how it should feel. 
it should feel overwhelming. Like, why the fuck? I went to, you know, I went 14 years of school. I have a master's degree in sociology and not one person ever said a word about gremlin. Okay. So, okay. That's the truth. That's how it is out there. And it won't take long before you start going, oh, that was my gremlin laugh. Ah, that was that person's gremlin laugh. Ah, here's a gremlin purpose. Ah, this is a low drama. It's gremlin food. Ah, <laughs> you start noticing this huge like welling of just things that you couldn't identify and talk about before, before you had the distinction gremlin. And already in the few minutes people have been talking here, it was like a cloud, like half the vocabulary was something that nobody has spoken on planet earth until a few years ago. And so it's, it is new stuff and don't, don't worry about it. If you just hang in there, it will soon become an amazing, an amazing clarified new home in a play space. It's really a wonderful play space. So if you're a newbie to that stuff, don't worry about it. This is not a sect. Okay, would anybody like to say anything else before we start reading? Yes. Clinton, you started, uh, there was this time when you shared how the space shifted when you entered the space into this yeah, teacher-student space. And yes. I didn't get if you had some kind of proposal how to shift that or how to more get out of it. So I'm also asking the whole space if there are proposals or possibilities how to do that. And also there's this, by saying this, this intention of, because I also feel it in the, in the space and I don't want it, like that we get more and more conscious about it and try to, try to shift it. I have a proposal for that. The proposal is that next time when we get online, we, do whatever we naturally do. And when Clinton comes, if you're not there, we we say out loud whatever it is that happens inside of us. And it might be like, whoa, I'm really scared right now. I wanna be quiet and listen because now I have this student feeling. So the space won't go quiet and we will be subtitling out loud what's going on inside. Do you want to say yes to this proposal? Yes. If so, please wave your hands. Yes. <laughs> cool. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks, Benedict. Anybody um, else anything? Yes. Yes. I, I want to add to this, like the gremlin eating up labs and trainings. And so there's, for me, it was the child eating up my trainings. Like, I remember the situation uh, the first time I was stellating rage and Chloe like screaming at me, like, cause, cause I was just, I was seeing everyone else doing. And so I knew what I was supposed to do. So this kind of school thing, like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do here. I want to do it right. And then, and Chloe came up, like screaming at me, like, Yula, you're still in school. You're not actually, you're not actually like coming from your real anger right now. And this is this is what I've been doing in, in, in training or like every kind of practice. To and so it's also like if you if you find yourself in a training and be like, what am I supposed to do here? It's possible like your child is like just wanting to do it right. And then you're also really not not really on the path. And yeah, it takes the gremlin 
like it really takes gremlin transformation to actually do the child decontamination so i started decontaminating my child and then got to a certain level and then my gremlin took over and i just stopped i just fell asleep again and so I took the okay now i'm going through this gremlin thing again and like it's yeah it really needs the gremlin work yeah so, yeah thank you thank you because there's nothing really as valuable as sharing personal experience like that. <laughs> it's so valuable. So thank you. Yeah, my personal experience or my practice is to shift to the space holding. I, I needed to have some emotional healing processes about this before. And the last one um, is very essential. And it was that I, that my child was still expecting my mother to hold space for me. And this was a highway into um, a responsible victim. Like basically in every space, uh, holding space was, okay, I have to because nobody else is holding space. And those teacher figures were the only ones where I would say, okay, I trust his or her competence to hold this space. And then I would, uh, lean back and do, don't do anything and still be resentful and like a like a victim of the space and the shift for me is to 100% hold space at any given time like to that this is really for me the major distinction is in patriarchy or in whatever there's only one space or there's only one leader there's only one there's only one, whatever. And that's the major shift for me to say, I'm a space holder too, and everybody else is too. And I'm 100% here and there's nothing that can hold me back or everything is my issue. Everything is about me in, in a way that takes me out of it. Thank you. Yay, thank you. Thank you. I, I just wanna, repeat what Anne Chloe said before, this is archaearchy. This is how archaearchy functions. And it's startling to discover your capacity and responsibility to be space holder ongoingly. It's no chance to hide anymore. No chance to back out or pretend as if somebody's going to handle things. And so thank you for saying it like that. Anyone else, anything? Yes, I would like to share an experience. Can you hear me? Uh, the fact that you were holding your hand up so long and waiting has to do with school. It's the school manifestation. So, yes, we can hear you. Okay. I experienced that, um, and, it, and it's the same subject, or in, it's another expression for what most people said here, um, that authentic is not coming by asking myself, where I want, do I want to go? What target I am aiming, or when do I have to start, or how do I have to behave? who's holding space for me. The main thing is the why question. Why am I here? 
And why am I doing this, what I'm doing? And if I do not answer myself this why question, I cannot be authentic. Thank All you. questions like, who's holding space for me? And so on is not, is, is not authenticity. It's I'm only authentic if I say I'm here because I want to be here and to clarify this why question for me. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Anybody else? I mean, I'm, I'm using the time right now to, to check, you know, to have this, to hear what people need to say, because we've been thinking about this time together right now. We've been thinking about it for a while. We've been missing it. And we've all learned a lot in the meantime. So I just want to, we're kind of sewing us together into a circle. And I just want to hear anybody else says anything else. Okay, I'm I'm taking a risk right now to to tell that um, I never been aware like this this moment that I'm longing for this community and being with you, and at the same time I feel like a little bit of separation and my judgments and my all the experiences we had and. And I'm thinking that it might be related with all that from what I've discovered through all the processes with you. And so. Just, just can I, just yeah. people don't know what you mean by the word you. They would only know what you meant by the word you if this was a classroom and there was a teacher and, and you were responding to the authority figure as the you. That if you are interested in participating in a circle, people don't know who the you is. So you would have to use people's names. I don't, they don't know if you mean all of us or and Chloe or who, who you're actually talking about. Yeah, all those I, I know. You mean what I said, I'm longing for this community and for being with you, no? You mean that one? Well, you used you a number of times. Mm. Yeah. Check the recording when when this is over. Check the recording and check it out. Okay. Yeah, but it's when you say you, you were speaking as if there was everybody knew who you were talking about. Okay. <laughs> when you said the word you, and that is only happening in a hierarchy, in a school classroom, etc., which this is not. And so then it's confusing. Yes, and I think it's good to be to be where I am on this cruise to, to notice it, to be aware about it. And the other update I have, because uh, I really was the whole week uh, feeling in my house like it's not my place anymore and I'm on my new place. Like, um, And it feels like leaving all the stuff behind and maybe I need a new place. And um, yeah, that's cool too somehow. It feels like, yeah, all the feeling work was valued because of that. Um, to feel now that the new place feels much, much better and that the house is too big, that I'm somehow lost there and with all this stuff and have to go out. 
Yeah. This is a message especially for you, both of you. Which, which both of who? For Anne-Chloe and you, Clinton. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And I love the key you gave me. <clears throat> Could everybody take a deep breath, please? <clears throat> Make sure you have your center grounding cord and bubble. And Chloe, I propose we read from section 6x, 6x page 200. Yes, would you start? I didn't say sick sex. <laughs> I said six X. Check the recording. <laughs> God, that would be a great chapter, wouldn't it? We'll get there. I promise you, we'll get there. <clears throat> Extraordinary human relationship is alive because of its continuous ongoing recreation. It's alive. Extraordinary human relationship is alive because it is continuously recreated. The word recreation also means recreation. It also means entertainment. It also means exercising. And so the word recreation can be used, it means it, but, but that's why extraordinary human relationship is alive. And that aliveness provides food. And without that food, a lot of things become mechanical or pointless. So where the title of the section is called Going Nonlinear. And that it, in Going Nonlinear, we, we will see is one way, one of the ways the aliveness can come to life. So I'm reading some more. It says interactions are dynamic, surprising, unexpected, and nonlinear in extraordinary human relationships. So remember this book is kind of divided into three sections, the ordinary relating, extraordinary relating and archetypal relating. And so we're now we've, we've left behind, I mean, we're standing upon all the work that we did in, in, in whatever you call, turning over the soil in the ordinary kind of relating that we're so familiar with. And now we're trying to define or discover what extraordinary human relationship or human relating is, is about. Okay. In general, we do not have access to nonlinear creating because we have been cut off from our imagination and nailed into modern linear viewpoints. This is just the teaching of modern culture. Modern culture has thought where it has stories about what men are, what women are, what children are, what family is, what a life is, what the linear life plan. These are modern linear viewpoints. So we're cut off from imagination and nailed into modern linear viewpoints. In modern civilization, mind is at war with imagination and mind has decidedly won. So that's why, if you remember back to school, essentially your imagination was not allowed. Imagination was snuffed out of existence. It was cut off as a resource because your answers to questions did not meet the syllabus. They did not fit the teacher's answers. The book says, 
Regaining access to your powers of nonlinear creating requires locating and reconnecting to your imagination. Oh, I just I, let me just say one quick yeah. thing, which is a logistical thing. Is as I'm reading in the book, I'm I want, I'm changing it to first person real time instead of that, and I'm also changing some words around a little bit. Like instead of saying our civilization, it is not our civilization. It is it is modern culture as a culture, and many of us already have one or two feet already in archaearchy. And this, this whole meeting space is occurring in archaearchy. So I will not say our civilization anymore, as was written in the book. I'm talking, I'm just mentioning there is a culture called modern culture, and this is what happens in there. So I'll be changing some of the words in the book as I'm going along. And Chloe, go ahead. This is a perfect transition into the topic of parallel culture. And I think this one of the ways we also cut ourselves off from nonlinear creation or recreation is uh, an adaptiveness, a complete adaptiveness and being a chameleon to the culture that the people we're relating to live in. But we were born and raised, most of us, if not all of us, were born and raised in modern culture. And there's this, our box basically really knows how that goes. And in a way, our box is really comfortable in this sleepy linear um, assumption, the set of assumption, and then we get this box to box conversation might seem really comfortable to the box and really detrimental and, and, and killing the being or this, what Clinton calls this imagination and this, the nonlinearity. And so for example, it's possible that you've, you've uh, found a way to connect with people is that to some degree, your life happens in archaearchy. Like for some degree, to some degree, you've moved your point of origin to archaearchy. You're having these great meetings with these people. You're doing emotional healing processes. You're learning how to feel. You're expressing your feelings. And then somebody makes a comment or tells a story in their culture. And immediately, you, will, you put your foot right into their story, into their story world, into their comment world, into their question and move directly into mo their modern culture, their version of modern culture as a way of connecting, as a way of being with them. But you abandon Shep, you abandon completely your culture, your purpose, what are you, especially if your purpose is to create nonlinear extraordinary uh, relationship as an experiment. So does anybody know what I'm talking about in terms of reacting to the comments? jumping into other people's culture. Great. So you can, you can catch yourself of having this immediate reaction where you have to match somebody else's story or, or answer immediately their question because that will cut you off also from your imagination and nonlinear possibilities. And it's, it's this, basically it's you living in a parallel culture. There's somebody who are having this culture and you live in a parallel culture and you can connect. But it, and it's also, you could do this experiment of, um, God, maybe this is, I'm, I'll skip this part. No. No. Okay. Okay. I would you like do to this say experiment something. with things. You can, you can live in a parallel culture in your relationship to things. 
for example, in modern culture, people relate to things as one of the most important, valuable um, part of their life. So it's my house. I want my house to be pretty. I want my, you know, even my garden to be beautiful. Uh, my computer is valuable. Um, this is my couch. This is the bed I've slept in, you know, for 10 years. And, and it has all this value. And instead of, and to notice this modern culture relationship to even things, you can move in even your space in your in a parallel culture. And so you relate to things from archiarchy. You relate to your computer from archiarchy. You relate to your bed from archiarchy. You relate to your, your kitchen counter, to your pots, to your pen from archiarchy. And, and in archaearchy, what is most valuable is actually your non-material value, is who you are. It is your presence, is your qualities of being. This is what's more valuable in, in, in archaearchy. And in, in modern culture, what you have is what is most valuable. And so that, I think that also liberates, for example, I'm a nomad. I've never owned a house or an apartment. I've never actually paid rent for my own apartment. So I, I have this, and for me, it's an incredible uh, experience because I, I keep changing my physical environment so much that I can be in a liquid state and my physical environment does not keep my box going. And so I have this, um, often this proposal when people say, God, I'm stuck in this environment. I've lived in this city for 20 years. I've been in this relationship for 20 years. My proposal is go travel, you know, just leave everything and go travel. Well, now I have another option to offer is move into a parallel culture in an environment that if you were in modern culture, you think you would know that environment. But from archaearchy, you, you actually don't know that environment because the value system has changed. And then you can be in a liquid state, even in an environment or even in a relationship that has been going on for years or decades in terms of having access to nonlinear possibility. Thank I, you. I have a question. When you were talking about this two cultural spaces and that I'm stepping into the other person's culture when answering the question, for me, there's also this somehow struggle or this that when I'm answering the question that it that I somehow want to I want that it lands with the other person. And when I'm just staying in my culture, it also often feels like like the metrics of the other person just isn't ready for what I'm saying. And so how how do I get there of staying in my culture? but also make sure that it somehow lands. Well, it depends what your purpose is. So for example, I was at a restaurant today and as usual, people say, I'm in Germany, so I was speaking English. And he says, where do you come from? And, and Clinton answers the question, say, I'm from, she's from France. He says, but you don't have a French accent. I said, well, I'm a spy actually. <laughs> And I didn't say anything else that I'm a spy. And he said, oh, and, and just left. <laughs> so I didn't want to answer his question, but I also didn't want to you know, say, I, I don't want to talk to you. I would have cut the connection. 
And he didn't want to know more than that, but he could say, I don't understand, or God, that sounds amazing, or what mission are you on? Or he could have said any of those things, but he doesn't have access to nonlinear possibility. He's in the linear, you know, which country were you born in? And so I open a door and if there's no um, ping, whatever, there's no answer, I just leave it at that. I don't need, I don't need people to understand me. I don't need, I don't need to, that what I'm saying lands. Unless this is a, for example, a space where there's an agreement where we're on this journey together. But then the context of the culture is pretty clear. But I, I'm not in the habit of converting people to my culture. And I went to hold on one second. Just one second. Okay. So for so Benedict, the, the question is: so what was your purpose? Or what is your purpose? And it's almost like if your purpose is to that you're speaking causes the other person to change to change their awareness it the question becomes obvious when you when you're doing this with your mother so if you're talking to your mother and she doesn't have the quote unquote what you said have the matrix to understand what you're talking about and you want her to get it then the only way that's going to happen is if you change your mother and how many anybody ever try to change your mother yeah okay and for how many people did it work <laughs> and so so that's really the question is what was your purpose i can include mm -hmm. good and who was it was it a uh, habet who was it who was saying well, gabriella 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 yeah go i i want to share something about it that i was in a event in this last five days gathering of tribes and I was doing this experiment about keep my cultural center, why I was relating with people so, from so much different cultures. And one of the experiments that I was doing was about use my name of my no material value when I was present for people. So instead of saying, oh, I'm Gabriela, I'm from Brazil. I said, I'm unfolding essence and I come from Archiarchy. And it was so amazing, the reaction of people because each relation, each interaction that I had um, unfold a so unique experience and extraordinary space. And this, this thing about try to change, it's something that uh, I realize happens so much too at the same time. So uh, while the conversation was happening, I, I realized that my rambling started to want to be superiority in a superiority way and trying to make another person change to my culture. But um, keep my center of my culture is not about to try to change another one. It's just to keep mine and not. So I, I experienced a little bit. So um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Gabriel, can you say again slower uh, and uh, more clear what you are? I didn't hear. I'm an unfolding essence, Gabriella. An unfolding essence, Gabriella. Yes. Great. Nice to meet you. Welcome. And while we're just on this little subject of having a culture between a conversation between one culture and another culture, where the purpose is not to try to convert somebody to your your belief system or your context. 
there's this fabulous little website called Culture to Culture with a, 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 an, a way of listening and interacting that I would encourage you to experiment with, which has, involves, uh, it, it includes going down these, using cu true curiosity, authentic curiosity to inquire about how, how is it such that a person like you is in a culture where the value is like this and really asking for the, for the truth of what's going on. And it's this, uh, yeah, the vacuum learning is also about that. So, so I encourage you really to, to learn this and practice it because if even in a partnership relationship in a relate, while you're relating to another person, it's, it's kind of obvious we all have a different kind of box. You know, every single person almost is living in their own unique culture. And if you're with somebody and there's something about them that surprises you or attracts you or offends you and puts you into a reaction, that's worth exploring. And by exploring it, you, you are entertained. If, if as long as you're not playing the superiority game, I'm right, I'm going to fix you by telling you the true way then you can be, you can inquire and go, holy, I never thought of, of even possibly looking at the world like this. What's going on for you? Could you please just tell me, share what it's like for you? This is a fabulous enter entertainment uh, roller coaster ride. Um, Ava, can you say something before Johannes and then we'll go to Johannes. Okay, go ahead, Ava, and then Johannes. Yeah, I, I had this moment this summer when I was hiking with my son and he was saying to me, you know, mom, I really wish I had normal parents. I, I wish you were just normal. And then that my first reaction was like being a bit offended or like defense. And then I thought about this culture to culture thing. And I thought, okay, so I, I can also switch into finding this really interesting. And we had such a great talk about okay so so what is not normal about about me and what is not normal about, about your dad and what do you really want mm. and, and it boiled down to you know the absurdity of normal and in the end he i asked him like what is it that you really want and he he just said what is really important and burning inside him and what he really wants to learn in the next months and i was so super super grateful to have this just this idea i don't have to defend myself i can just be interested in what's going on for him and that was it opened up the space mm. yeah yeah Thanks. thank you wow yeah. <laughs> wow johannes go ahead yeah i'm missing the world game world the world um and it's it's like for me i I meet another culture and without leaving my culture, uh, I can connect with the other one, but uh, taking my own rules from my game world with me. So one, one principle or rule may be to be nonlinear or to be in connection or to be authentic. And so I have my rules of my game world as, and as long as I take those rules with me, I can meet another culture without losing myself. Is, 
Isn't that landing? Yeah, thank you. I'd like to, I'm just, I'm shifting into the a logistical thing. Some of us will come when we can come and some of us will go when we go. Let's not make that a custom here that you have to announce when it is that you're leaving. If you need to go, just go, okay? And we, we love you and thanks for being here. And we, we look forward to seeing you again next time, whenever that is, but let's not scatter the space with people announcing that they're leaving and stuff. Is everybody okay with that? Everybody? Okay, thank you. No resistance. <laughs> cool, I'm not sure if, uh, if anybody else had their hand up and I missed it. Was there somebody else? I'll take that as a no. I wanna announce also that while I'm reading the book, I wrote it using the word relationship. And I now notice that this word is misleading to me. And I, I, it's misleading because it infers, it suggests that a relationship is a thing that you can have or lose or that it can be broken or that you have to fix it or work on it. That's a thing regarding relationship as a thing. And this, this is left over from mainstream culture, modern culture, in that in essentially in archaearchy, we've discovered that it's, the word is really relating. It's a verb. So what kind of relating are you doing? It's about relating. And, and the, the only objectiveness that really can be applied to your relating is that it occurs in a space of relationship. And it is a space instead of a thing. And so the space part, the quality of space of relating is 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 that third click of your clicker or the fourth click of your clicker actually that makes this energetic space in which you are relating so if you're with somebody and you're making this the space in which you're relating what are the bright principles what what's what's the purpose of the space what is the context of the space what are you negotiating how do you negotiate your relating and your intimacy. How do you how do you negotiate the intimacy of your relating? And this is fabulously powerful and entertaining. We'll dive a lot more into how that goes and what it is about. But I just wanted to say that, for example, the next sentence in the book says linear relationship goes like this. I will say linear relating goes like this. So I'm going to be changing that word also in the book. Uh, and Chloe, anything right now? No. Okay. So here, here we go. Is there somebody else saying something? That would lead to the to the question, uh, not to ask myself what kind of relationship do I have, but uh, what kind of relating I am doing. So I am the one doing. I'm not the one who has something. I'm the one who's practicing relating. Yes, and can you see how much power that gives us yeah. in terms of, oh, I can relate in a different way. So I can change. I can try new experiments. Thank yeah, you. I'm, I'm changing from, from the one who has something to the, to the creator. I'm, I'm becoming creative. And an experimenter. Yeah. Z thank you for saying that. 
So linear relating, which was what we were talking about in the whole first part of the study group, goes, goes along without imagination. It goes linearly. On the first evening after their honeymoon, the man returns from work and announces, honey, I'm home, I love you. And his starry-eyed woman arrives breathless and wraps herself into his arms saying, oh, darling, I love you too. I missed you so much today. Dinner is waiting for you on the table. And the next evening, the man opens the front door and announces, honey, I'm home, I love you. The wife comes wearing a smile and says, oh good, right on time, did you have a nice day? The next evening, the man opens the front door and announces, honey, I'm home, I love you. And the wife says, I'll be right there, I love you too. And the next evening, the man opens the front door and announces, honey, I'm home, I love you. And the wife says, I'm in the kitchen. What did you say? He says, honey, I'm home, I love you, he repeats. She says, yes, great. She says, you love me, I love you, great. And what else have you got? <laughs> Perhaps if you've watched the film Pleasantville, anybody watched Pleasantville? is on the definite to watch list, definitely. You'll, this is a, it's about this also, uh, so I hope you get to see it soon. It's an important relating kind of film. But the point is, is that, I'd, I'd probably just read the next paragraph. It, the point is that extraordinary human love is alive and, and it requires similar attentive care to a pet or a vegetable garden, you know, you have to keep you on your toes. You know, without feeding your relating with a steady diet of authentic actions moved by unpredictable originality, like what's needed and wanted in the moment, what, what isn't, what doesn't come, what you've never done before, essentially, is to, is to interact in ways that you've never interacted before as an ongoing aliveness. It's an expression of your aliveness. That, that practice, that experiment is to just behave, interact in ways you've never interacted before. The aliveness of, if you don't do that, then the aliveness of your relating fades into a habitual pattern, a rut. And as the saying goes, the only difference between a rut and a grave, a rut is just like a carb, you know, slice in the ground, like a, the only difference between a rut and a grave is their length. So Ooh. it's really the insinuation is that it's a dead, it's, it's a direct, you know, this is how you take a, the potential of a live relating happening, just bury it. Was somebody going to say something? Okay. And Chloe, do you want to read a bit before we? No, keep going. Okay. Yeah. The challenge of extraordinary human relating is learning to create something that you have never created before differently each time and over and over again. So it's differently each time. Nonlinear imagination easily fulfills that challenge, but connecting to nonlinear imagination can feel like 
filling your belly with hot coals and endlessly burning inside. Get that? This nonlinear imagination stuff is on fire. Does anybody have that experience of the burning coals in your belly? It's just like, oh my God, this stuff just cooks. It's cooking away and it comes out sideways every other door. Say, is that a question? Or you felt it? Uh, turn your, yeah. No, it was not a question. I just okay. answered the question. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, so this is great. I'm, I'm glad that we have a sense of what this fire in her belly is talking about. Only one person can make the efforts to authentically reconnect you to nonlinear imagination. Guess who that is? Even the Kama Sutra runs out of positions sooner or later. Then you are back on your own. You know, the Kama Sutra is this oriental book of sex positions that shows you, you know, this way and that way. But if even that, you'll run out of possibilities and you're back to inventing stuff. Learning to be okay, even if you cannot predict what you are going to do next, plugs you into a new form of electricity. So, I mean, I just want to say, it takes some getting used to, to have this new kind of electricity running through your veins, your nerves, running through the space that you're in. You know, it's so, this honey I'm home thing is comforting to the box. It's comforting to the part of us that wants to sleep. It's comforting to the part of us that would prefer something to be familiar. You know, if you go into the restaurant that you've been in before and you order the same thing again, and then pretty soon the waiter comes over and says, the usual? Anybody ever have that? The waiter says, would you like to order the usual? Oh, that is far over the line of predictability, man. This is, it is way, this is an indicator that you have you have turned into a, close to a zombie. You've turned into this robot. Really, it's like of all the things on the menu, you come in, you order the same thing again so often that even the waiter, who's like a temporary, you know, somebody from Afghanistan or, you know, Tibet, you know, they come in and they have this temporary job and they go, oh, the usual. You have the usual today? Okay. Whoa, this is. You're in sad shape, okay? It's time for artificial resuscitation. We need to put you on the floor and boom, 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 try to get your heart back alive again. Can I, okay. can I say something? This you don't ever have to say, can I say something? We have this agreement, okay? Yeah. One, one. Okay, thank you. Thank you. The, the nonlinear imagination or the nonlinear offer, the nonlinear exchanges or recreation is really far away from gremlin benter and gremlin. so it's this is not about being clever. gremlin chatter gremlin banter yeah. she said but gremlin chatter yeah. gremlin back and forth gremlin talk yeah being ah. being clever about making puns or about word plays or it, this is not about that so there's there's millions of way of being non-linear and it's it's also not this child it's also not this child play it's also so there's this uh 
there's this new age. I mean, some of you have heard this, but I, I just want to say it again, especially for the more newcomers is there's this new age orientation towards going back to this child, the free and natural child who is alive and has imagination and creates stories and plays. And, and there's this attraction, which I would understand, attraction to seeing children in their, their freedom or their ability to move or to create or, and to, to be with each other with such simplicity. The, the problem with that, if there is any problem, is that it's irresponsible. So children can make messes and do not have actually the structure to be responsible for the messes they make. And part of growing up or part of childhood or raising a child or whatever you call it, or God, I can't say whatever, whatever you call it, um, is, is about growing this matrix about being responsible about the, the messes that you make. So the, the, the orientation of being on a path of evolution or a path of adulthood is having access to this space, I would call it a space, of the free and natural adult who creates messes and cleans them up. And, and part, a lot of the nonlinear offers is about creating messes, meaning those are not irresponsible messes, they're responsible messes, meaning... Uh, it's uncomfortable or it's new, it's different, it's, it breaks patterns, it, it, it makes people think in different ways, it makes you think in different ways. It, all of this is messes. It's like, it's not pretty, it's not clean, it's, it's not controllable, it's not predictable. But this, we're going towards this free, this free and natural adult. There's a great website called Free and Natural Adult. And also I would recommend, I'll post it in the chat, the phase one and phase two of adulthood. And so this whole free and natural adult happens really in this phase two of adulthood. I wanna take one step back for a second and say, <clears throat> frame up our, our conversation here. And where we are in the book is, is about what is it, who, who are we? What is involved in sourcing extraordinary relating and the book was going to take us through this journey of a number of different skills number of different uh avenues a whole different attitudes whole, whole different style different context and it's going to be going through this series of possibly scary or challenging new new ways of interacting and being and so the, 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 this is just the first one. So, and I just want to put it in this framework. Okay, we're entering the domain of extraordinary relating. And this is about accessing nonlinear possibility. And this is a part, it's part of what brings aliveness into, and that's a part of the extraordinariness of the kind of relating. And, and it, it uses resources that I'm, I said were cut off at school. So there are ways to get your imagination back. Because the book said that there's this war going on between mind and imagination, and in modern culture, mind won. So what this is about is, is about starting over. You get to start over without trying to challenge modern culture because it will take you down. You, you just get to start over in a different space and start, okay, I need to practice some nonlinear creation. I need to open up doorways that go sideways and they go diagonal 
and they're not even doorways, they're, they're drawers or they're shoes or they're somehow bottles. And I have to take the tops off of bottles that have no end or glass tubes or even toilets. I can flush myself out of this space together with my partner and we'll go in a new space together. And so these are, what I'm saying is we get access to nonlinear possibility is um, opening up a potential that we have as a human being and it could have been snuffed out a long time ago. Could have been strangled, literally strangled, punished, destroyed, like threatened to, to, to like go back and disappear. So it's in our design to have this access to nonlinear possibility. And it is not in, it's not really permitted in modern culture. And so and in relating, especially extraordinary relating, it'll be it'll become a basis for the aliveness to come back in in your spirit, like in your in your soul, like in your nervous system, this electricity. So I realize we have three minutes left and I want to read the whole section with everybody and not stop talking for the rest of the night. And we're going to stick to our time, our time limits. But I just want to read this one last sentence that we read, you just read before, learning to be okay, even if you cannot predict what you're going to do next, it plugs you into a new form of electricity. So suddenly you can start the same conversation differently than you've ever done it before. And each time you feel it's uniquely radiant possibilities. What comes after that is a mystery. And so the mystery is, is a source of aliveness, the mysteriousness, the uncontrollability, the unpredictability is a source of aliveness. And so somehow this week, please practice accessing, bringing the mystery, calling mystery into your relating space and, and try to not do it like Aunt Chloe said, with too much gremlin in, the, in it, because that's, or child, it's not about that. It's about this archetypal and extraordinary mystery that's available everywhere all the time, ongoingly, if you're not trapped into a, an ordinariness or a predictability or being a nice person or being a good person or being a predictable person or being somebody that people already know who you are. So if somebody knows who you are, they're wrong. And if you think you can be known, you're wrong. And so try to let that start, letting that come alive in your relating. Is there anything anybody would like to say before we sign off for meeting 71 of the study group? Dor, you should say something. Will you say something for us? Mm. No, 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 no. No, there's, a one, there's one rule is it, you don't get to start your sentence with the word um. And you said mm, which is it's just um without the, the you part in front. So this is a demerit. We'll put it down in your karmic karmic record book. Please try again without saying mm first. I feel scared to say And I feel scared to be in this space. It seems like we really started over. It's like everything that like almost, I felt like, oh, we built this. It's almost like got trashed. And like, 
Whew, scary space to be in right now. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here. Really <laughs> appreciate this possibility of entering these spaces with you. I'm so excited to go into the extraordinary archetypal. You cannot believe it. All right. Okay, then. We'll see you next week. Have a great experimental week in between. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, Laura. Ciao. Anna Maria. Thank you. Bye. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen.